What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 197 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with John Vishnesky from NimbleFoxMarketing.com. John had an extreme passion for music. John did the classic nine to five out of college, boring desk job at a financial institution, like he describes within the episode, and thought to himself one day, like, this is not for me. I want to design the life that I want for myself where I get to free up some time to really play more music, do the things I'm passionate about while making money online. And he started diving super deep into different things to make money online with, such as fulfillment by Amazon, which quickly got shut down because of Amazon's wacky algorithm and just being a partner with Amazon, although it's at times extremely lucrative and amazing because of the search engine. Other times, like John describes, it's extremely difficult. And he was left high and dry while on his honeymoon in Thailand when his store got completely shut down by Amazon. So very frustrating moment that he gets into. And then he found Facebook ads. And he started excelling at understanding how to really capitalize on Facebook ads and help other companies capitalize on the powerful tool that is Facebook and how to market what you're selling to the specific audience on Facebook. And that's where he finds himself today. Nimble Fox Marketing is a marketing agency that helps fitness influencers build profitable product launches. That's his specialty. That's his niche. And he's doing really well at it. And I love this story because, again, it's just another inspirational story that motivates me to continue on my path as I continue to try to develop Misfits and Rejects and the other ventures that I have going online. So, again, if you're a first-time listener, please pull out that phone, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on. If you're on Spotify, it'll say hit follow. If you're on iTunes, you'll hit subscribe. That really helps people find me in the search engines of iTunes and Spotify when they are searching out podcasts like mine. So John and I sure would appreciate it if you did that as well as if you wanted to share it with somebody. If you think somebody could really benefit from hearing John's story, him and I both would sure appreciate if you shared it with them. And giving us a five-star rating or making a comment is always extremely appreciated as well. If you want to head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, I would be tremendously honored. And I always love receiving photos of people wearing the Misfits and Rejects t-shirts around the world. And if you feel so inclined to really support Misfits and Rejects through a monthly donation, you can do that via Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. And again, a monthly donation of whatever you want, $1, $5, $10 a month. It's up to you. Nothing is expected. All is appreciated. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoy this episode with John Wisniewski from nimblefoxmarketing.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by John Vishnesky from NimbleFoxMarketing.com. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. Thank you for joining me. It's uh, really cool to hear your voice, and uh, thank you for reaching out. We are both members of the Dynamite Circle, which a lot of my audience has been hearing a lot from recently. Um, and I think it's a good time to hear stories like yours, You know, people who have created a lifestyle in which they can work from home, um, location-independent business, which is coming across in a way that's making it more of maybe a viable reality for people nowadays who obviously had their whole world turned upside down due to COVID. 
So again, just, yeah, thanks for joining me. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about how you kind of created Nimble Fox Marketing and your life in general, brother. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, chatting to you about this and find out more about you as well. So you are right now in Austin. Is that what, that's correct? That is right. And um, born and raised? So I grew up about an hour east of Dallas in a little tiny town called Wills Point, but like uh, about 3,000 people. Okay, cool. And this, you know, online venture stuff, has this been something that, or just maybe even being an entrepreneur, was that something that you always wanted to be? Or was it something that you kind of fell into due to your skill set? You know, I think I always kind of wanted it. I always started these little tiny things when I was like in, in school, like selling little toys and trinkets to other kids. And uh, whenever I got into junior high, I just became infatuated with music. And so for a real long time, that was really like my main thing in life was I wanted to be a pro musician and tour and record and all that stuff. And so that that took up a lot of my time for a long a long time. And I really didn't kind of re rekindle my relationship with entrepreneurship till after um, I was kind of through that. I'll call it a phase in my life where I was really dead set focused on music. What kind of music was it? Uh, rock and roll was always kind of my thing, I guess. Uh, I played I played jazz a bit in in high school and college, but I was always wanting to be a uh, a guitar player in a band. But I played trumpet as well, and uh, anything else I could really pick up that the bands I was in would need. Um, I'm actually still in a band right now called Burgess Meredith here in Austin, and uh, we've been together for about a decade now. And we play out whenever all the clubs aren't shut down, usually about once every month or two, I guess. That's cool. So does that have legs to grow? I mean, is that something that you still in the back of your mind hope could take off and, and be maybe a, a, your lifestyle primary source of income? You know, uh, not really. Now it's more of just kind of a fun thing to do on the side. Um, we We don't spend as much time in it as we did whenever we were first getting going on it. And so it's just a really fun project where every couple of years we'll put out a new record. Uh, we'll play some fun shows around town, maybe go back and, and tour to, to Dallas where a lot of us are from that area. And um, just a fun thing to do on the side, just to kind of uh, take a break from entrepreneurship and, and all that good stuff. Do you find yourself like when you're home, just kind of like wanting something to do, picking up one specific interest or instrument? You know, not not so much. It's 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 really a weird thing. Like like back in the day, I would practice hours a day playing guitar, and I don't know for about ever since I, I don't know ever since I kind of got into entrepreneurship, my mind has been elsewhere. I guess on on my businesses or on learning new things. And, and uh, I've got a couple of guitars sitting here next to me right now. Every now and then, whenever I have a bit of a break, I'll I'll pick them up and strum them a bit. But um, they are taking quite a bit more of a back seat than they used to. That's interesting because I can completely relate. You know, as you know, I I've been a surfer for my whole life. It's something that is a part of me. It's something that I made my career for the last ten years as far as surf instruction, surf camps in Nicaragua. Um, but since like five years ago, started transitioning everything into the online space and really trying to become a digital nomad and location independent and figure out this crazy Rubik's cube, how to like make money online. Um, surfing's taking a back seat, you know, and, and I guess, especially for my clients who 
are looking for like information on how to get better from me think that I surf every day. I'm just frothing on it. It's just, it's not the case, dude. Like I, I rarely surf these days. I mean, for the last five years, my head has been so in an entrepreneurial game and I'm just become so obsessed with it. And, and like we do, it sounds like you have a similar person personality where it's like, I just, I'm fixated on it. I'm going to get as good as it at it as I possibly can. I know I'm always going to go back to surfing, but I can definitely relate to what you just said where it's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to surf every now and again, but entrepreneurship is where my head's at. Yeah, I, I feel you. And I'm, I'm kind of going through a similar thing with uh, another sport that I'm really into. I'm a, I'm a really big rock climber. Mm. And earlier this year, uh, before you know COVID came, I decided that I was going to start trying to build a rock climbing brand. And I was going to do uh, YouTube videos. I was going to do like a, like a blog. I was going to do all this stuff. And I started spending all this time kind of trying to learn how to do like video editing and recording myself while I was climbing and going back home and, and fixing all that stuff up. And then I, after about seven or eight videos, I kind of figured out that it was, it was almost taking away what I really loved about climbing and just getting out and being away from all that stuff. And so I've decided that, um, you know, instead of doing that myself right now, I'm going to continue focusing on, you know, the agency and and helping people as much as I can with marketing. And uh, I actually ended up lucking out and uh, finding a new climbing client that I'm working with right now. So I'm actually getting a lot of that uh, climbing, like right, like copywriting and marketing stuff that I wanted to do all along by working with them as well. And uh, it's been super nice to not have to worry about putting out that, that content and, you know, toting a camera around whenever I'm actually going out and doing it. And now I can just do it on my own and then, uh, and write and, and help them market their products now. This is interesting and hasn't really come up much on the podcast. I'd like to dive a little deeper with you on because I feel that Misfits and Rejects is, you know, pushing in that direction of, I'd like to bring it a visual element to it. Um, I've kind of been courting a few media companies, trying to get them on board, maybe helping me out, like going, taking this on the road with, you know, cameraman and trying to capture some of these stories visually. Uh, one of my concerns is what you just described, you know, my passion for this starting to wane due to the light, the camera angles and the lighting and all the, the things that come along with trying to capture that art form of video, um, as well as choosing, like we hear all these gurus and people talking about, you know, find out what you're passionate about and you'll never have to work a day in your, in your life. <laughs> and I just, for me personally, like I'm going to call bullshit on that because I've done that. Like I have done the thing that I was most passionate about for my career, which is surfing. And it became a grind. Like it became a job and it, I lost a lot of the love I had for it because of the, because of that. And it sounds like you kind of had the same experience with your rock climbing thing. So, I mean, like, what what would you say to the audience as you as they kind of start thinking about starting that that thing that they want to start online? Would you say choose your passion and go after it, or your hobby, or choose your second choice, which is whatever it is? Like for you, it sounds like digital marketing. Yeah, I guess that really depends on where you're at in your life and your kind of entrepreneurial journey. And like, if you don't have anything else to do that you can think of, and you are already interested in something. I say go for it. Like start a start a blog, start an email list. Maybe maybe like filming yourself and editing is 
for you. But I think just like experiment and find those things that really resonate with you and are fun. And, uh, you know, when I was trying that, you know, I, I, I'd done a bit of like filming stuff for, for marketing. I had a, a, I've got a Facebook group that I built in the marketing sphere last year and I did a whole bunch of Facebook lives and I really didn't mind that at all. I, I liked it because I could just turn my computer on and go live, uh, teach some stuff and then off. And then it's, it's there, it's on, uh, with what I was doing with the climbing stuff, you know, I would take my camera to the climbing gym or to the rock climbing wall. I'd set up the exact right angle. I would press play, I'd get up and climb, or I'd ask someone to hold the camera for me. And then I'd go home and then I'd just be looking at this daunting amount of film that I would have to be editing and figuring out how to make it like really cool whenever I, and interesting whenever someone's like watching on YouTube. Um, I just kind of learned that, you know, that, that wasn't for me that I'm sure that is for other people. I know a lot of people love editing and love putting together like really stellar video content. But I think for me, I'm, if I'm putting out content, uh, it's probably going to be more written, uh, recorded on a podcast like this, or it's going to be like more raw videos is if I had to guess. You know, that was a really, really great answer with, you know, the advice you gave to anybody listening, where if you don't know where you're at in your entrepreneurial journey, start with what you're passionate about. Start with that hobby, the thing that you kind of think about naturally. And like you pointed out, might not lead you in the direction you thought it would, but it will lead you somewhere. Just like me, like starting the surf thing, I intuitively knew when I transitioned my surf business online that it wasn't going to be the the thing that really brought in the big bucks, if you will, but it was going to hold my attention long enough to learn the skill set I needed to a year later, you know, start a podcast. And then, you know, I do have other ideas that I'd like to develop. And it's that starting that you, you described of like, if you don't know, just pick the hobby, pick the passion and go for it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so then let's talk a little bit about Nimble Fox marketing and how you develop that and, and where that idea came from. Yeah, sure thing. So for a long time, while I was playing music, I had a boring desk job in finance and I kind of like fell into it after college. And like, I'm not knocking it at all because it allowed me to live a comfortable life and play music because I was really into music. And so I could work, you know, eight to five, get off. And anytime after that or on the weekends, I could play, I could do whatever I wanted and I could record, and I didn't have to worry about doing anything else on my off time. But uh, further into that, I just started seeing that there wasn't really anywhere for me to go in that in that business and um, the ops I was at. And I so I started like uh, looking into different ways of making money. Like how could I how could I work on my own? How could I you know work from home or wherever I wanted to and, and make a living. And like most people, I came across the four-hour work week, and that was kind of my Bible for a, a long time. I would, you know, pour over that thing, and just when I was sitting in my office uh, cubicle, I would have my headphones on, listening to podcasts all day about businesses, and just at the time, I I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I, it wasn't what I was doing, and so I was just like pouring over what everyone else was doing, and kind of like we were just talking about. I didn't really jump into something that, you know, I was interested in. Like it might've been a good idea for me to get into some sort of, um, online music thing since that's what I was into. But I think I, 
I just was really confused when I was first getting started. I didn't know what to do. And so I tried a lot of different things. I tried e-commerce. I sold uh, bamboo sunglasses was kind of my first big thing. And uh, I had those made in, in China, was sent here. And then I didn't know what to do. So I started like an uh, e-commerce website and I didn't know anything about Facebook ads or Google ads back then. And I tried a little bit uh, unsuccessfully, but I mostly just sold them like to people I knew. Like they said, hey, those glasses are cool. And I said, hey, well, I can sell, I can sell them to you. And uh, I did that for a while. It didn't work out that great. And then the Amazon FBA thing started coming um, coming on all the, all the podcasts I was listening to. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. And I already knew a little bit about bringing in products and getting products made uh, in China. So I started trying to do a couple different products. Uh, a couple of them didn't do so great. But then I had one that really, I wouldn't say took off, but it was it was making you know, about 3000 bucks passively a month. And, um, that was right whenever my wife and I were getting married. So we both got married. Uh, she's a, she's a therapist and we both were kind of over our jobs. And so what we decided to do was we decided to both quit our jobs and take an extended honeymoon in Southeast Asia. And we thought it was going to be fine because you know, we had some money saved up, and I had my Amazon money coming in. But uh, about a month and a half in, what happened was we were in Pai, Thailand, which is in uh, northern Thailand. It's up in the hills, beautiful place. I was doing a, a Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, Thai kickboxing camp, and she was doing a yoga retreat. So we were taking like a week off from each other just because we'd been traveling, and she she wanted to do that, and I wanted to do this. And about the second day in, I received this message from Amazon that said my product had been shut down. And I was just like stuck in this dark hotel room, like whenever I was waiting, like wasn't doing my kickboxing. I was just in there and I was just like typoing in my computer, trying to figure out how to get my product back on again so I could continue having some income coming in while we're away. And, uh, it was kind of a little bit of a dark time because like I, I couldn't like commiserate with her cause she was away. I couldn't talk to her. And, uh, so I was just, you know, going to Muay Thai and kicking my aggressions out on the bag up again, up against, uh, Amazon. And then, uh, I just kept trying to get it, uh, get it back up again and it wasn't going to happen. And so it turns out they kept my product off until about, Late, later in the fall the next year and by that time it was like a summertime product and the sales stopped going and so when that happened I decided that you know I wasn't going to rely on on one channel like Amazon you know I was if I was going to do something it was going to be something that I could you know I could control myself or you know have multiple channels of income coming in and uh, I actually started thinking about starting a cleaning company which is kind of weird and uh but i had followed this guy on reddit who had started a cleaning company and he'd set up all these systems and processes and uh using digital marketing to kind of take over an area like a, a certain town and uh it interested me because i was like all right i need to do something fast this seems like something i could start really quickly but then as i got into it kind of like this rock climbing thing i was like is this what i want to be doing 
for every day? Do I want to be like dealing with cleaners and people that aren't showing up to work and all this stuff? And I just like, this is not what I want to do. So I, I jumped out of that. I got home back to Austin and we have uh, a couple of friends that work at Facebook. And one of them said, hey, uh, there's this role that's just opened up on the Facebook marketing experts team. And it's kind of like, I'm not sure uh, if you've been running Facebook ads or not, but if, if so, uh, if you were spending over $500 a quarter, they would set you up with the, what they called a marketing expert, someone on their team who would help you uh, learn more about the platform and hopefully spend more money and kind of be, be like your, your marketing expert you get for free. And so that was the role that I, I took on because I, I figured that it would be a great learning experience and I would get to work you know, as a contractor for Facebook and learn. they would pay me to learn Facebook ads pretty much. And um, so I got into that and about seven months into that, Facebook let go of my team and a lot of people that were on the team, it was like maybe one of their first or second jobs out of college. And they were quite bummed and, you know, didn't really know what to do next. But for me, I, I almost took it as a like a blessing in disguise because I just been like practicing as much Facebook ads marketing as possible. And I already had a bit of a marketing background from running my own products. So I was like, all right, it's time for me to kind of go off my own and start doing this. But um my one of my friends has uh, a, like a, a, another boutique kind of agency, and he brought me on to do Facebook ads right whenever I got out of there. And that was a great learning experience. Um, but after that, I was like, it's, it's time for me to kind of do my own thing. And so I started doing uh, Facebook ads for local businesses, real estate agents, chiropractors, uh, cryo spas. And looking back, I am so happy that I got out of that and started working with more online businesses because if I was still doing that right now, I mean, they would not need Facebook ads because a lot of them can't bring in customers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super thankful for that. But um, I ended up kind of coming across uh, some clients in the fitness niche and I learned that like I really enjoyed working with them and I could really move the needle a lot further than I could with these local businesses especially with helping them with their copywriting, email marketing, and building out sales funnels. Um, and it's just really fun stuff to, to, to write about and to, to sell, I think. And I, I love that it's actually helping people get healthier. And so I, I've, uh, I've really stuck with fitness over the last year and a half. And um, I'm, I'm really enjoying working with those types of clients right now. It's cool, and you've touched upon so many things I'd love to dive deeper into. Before we do, I'd like to get in the nitty-gritty of what you actually provide as a service to these fitness influencers. Um, you touched upon, you know, obviously Facebook ads being your strong point, but it sounds like you're kind of an all-inclusive sort of service. Yeah, so we do um – I'm kind of like the consultant that kind of comes in and helps mold these campaigns. And I have all the resources in the background that we can use to really do it well. And so we've got people on our team that do Facebook ads. Um, I do a lot of, I do the copywriting mostly. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll do is I will take over uh, your launches and your emails and, and build email marketing campaigns for you. And we'll build out sales funnels and like launch funnels. Um, if you're not familiar with what a sales funnel is, a sales funnel is uh, instead of like a website where you would send someone uh, that has like an about page, they have all sorts of products like 
uh, contact us. Lots of places for someone to kind of get lost. Uh, a sales funnel is it's one one objective whenever you send someone there, and so all they can do is buy or leave. And so what our job is is to build out a sales funnel with either a video inside there or long form copy, and really walk you through. Um, like the whole emotional spectrum of finding out about this product, getting interested in it, gaining trust, like learning why you need this thing, and then uh, selling it to them. And um, that's that's kind of what we set up for for our clients. No, it's cool. I wish I would have found you a while ago. I just <laughs> out of curiosity, like someone like me who I, I took my online surf biz or my my surf business brick and mortar online, where I started understanding what the uh, surfers of the world were really looking for when they were searching for information on YouTube and online. And I created a, um, a surf course, you know, perfect your pop-up and learn to turn where just like you described, they find me on YouTube, they sign up for my little gift of, you know, how to perfect your pop-up, which sends them through a sequence of emails that I then pitch them on buying my, my surf course at the end of like a two week, three week period, um, which has never, never really worked. I mean, and you probably could go in and tell me why, my question to you is like, how much would that cost me to hire someone like you, you know, for anybody listening out there who's like me or um, wants to be like me, like it's probably better to get an expert just in off the get go rather than me struggling for years, trying to figure out the ins and outs of what's going to be the right timing to deliver this email. And like, you know, what's the right email to send. And, and if they, click this button, send them that way. If they click that button, send the other way. Like, can you just describe like what your service costs for someone like me, small business owner who just is fucking desperate? Yeah. So we we're, we're quite uh, particular kind of about who we take on as a client and we can do that. We try to look for people that already have a good sized email list. And um, if they have like a really large following somewhere, you know, half a million or so Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, like we could probably make something work with that. Um, but what we tend to do is we tend to, if it is the right fit, um, we either have, you know, packages going from five, 10, you know, 20 K depends on what, what we're going to be launching, or we will do a smaller upfront with a, percentage of revenue mm-hmm. coming in and that tends to be the best way of doing it i think because um it makes like us you know make sure that we want to like provide the best possible result po- like we can yeah. because it's going to be best for everybody and uh i really like setting up partnerships so that you know um we're all in this together and everyone's kind of working in lockstep to make this happen and so it could be, you know, a, a lower upfront than that, with uh, a percentage of revenue over um, a certain point. Like if, say, you know, we were to bring over, you know, twenty thousand on a a launch, we would get this much. If we were to bring over thirty thousand, this much, forty thousand, this much, and um, that tends to work the best from what I've seen. Right on. And then, yeah, it sounds like a sliding scale upon launch. Which had you set a time frame? on that so it's like you know like after a certain period of time like you're not gonna you're not gonna be reaping the benefits anymore right yeah it's like i mean you could set it up if you want to do a a real like true partnership where you're just continuously getting paid from 
a certain course you help launch. But usually, what we time to, we we do it on smaller time time frames, like months, uh, half a year, and uh, just so that I mean, uh, programs are going to change, uh, things are going to change in that funnel, and so we like to do like three to six months on those types of things. That's cool. How many people are working for you at this point? Right now, we are working with about five clients. Okay, but employees, I guess I meant to ask. Okay. Yeah. So right now we have, I've got, uh, an assistant I work with and I've got someone that helps me with, uh, Facebook chatbots. That's a, mm-hmm. one of the things we offer as well. And then we have a, a Facebook ads guy that uh, works with us. And then I do most everything else in there. So we keep it like really nimble and, and small. And, um, and right now that's, that's kind of where we're at. How many years have you had this? Uh, I guess if you consider the Facebook ads agency as, as this, which is – this is what's kind of melded from that, I guess, or was uh, turned into that. It's been about three years now. Okay. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, what is it right now? It's been about four or five years now, I guess, if you really look into that. Yeah, about four years. No, it's interesting because as I was kind of trying to get more information about you and I um, – checked out like nimblefoxmarketing.com it came up as a fa- it came up facebook first like i didn't i didn't see a website per se and maybe i typed something in wrong but you have a website i'm assuming right i do yeah okay. and it's uh it's actually my name it's johnvishnesky.com oh, okay. yeah i see so nimblefox takes you to where just the facebook stuff uh, if you type in nimblefoxmarketing.com, it takes you to johnbershneski.com. Uh, okay. Yeah, I must uh, di- I just didn't do my due diligence very well. Um, funny story, though. Two episodes ago, which the audience has heard most of them at this point, I spoke with uh, Neil Park. Do you know him? He's in the D.C. as uh, well. No, I haven't met him yet. Okay, well, interesting story because what you just described of you know being in Reddit and learning about a guy um, teaching everyone how to start these cleaning businesses, he told the exact same story. <laughs> um, and he actually went through with it and started his business, which is you know madethis.com, which is a service that helps Airbnbs and people looking for maids. He connects everybody, and he's made a very successful business out of the, I'm assuming, the exact same Reddit thread that you were reading. <laughs> That sounds, yeah, exactly like what I was looking at. It's <laughs> so funny, dude. Such a small world. I love the DC like that. It's such a rad network of people. It's a cool community. Um, I'd like the audience to understand a little bit about uh, your Fulfillment by Amazon venture, especially the bamboo sunglasses and why you got shut down if you ever found out why. Because I've heard horror stories like this from a lot of my guests, and it's an enticing um, area to start. You know, fulfillment by Amazon because it's a lot of it's kind of there for you just to like plug yourself into. But it sounds like working with Amazon is just a nightmare. It can be. It's like it's it's a blessing and a curse because I mean the amount of traffic they can send to you and just organically people finding your product is insane. So like it could be like such a quick way of getting like started, and um, if it is like not your entire. Uh, sales like funnel. If if you also have a website you're you're selling on, and you have you know Facebook ads and a blog and other content that's sending people to it, I think it could be fine. But um, but when I was just getting started, like I was like, yeah, I'll, when I get back from this trip, 
I'll start working on the e-commerce part of it. I'm just going to enjoy my trip and uh, travel around and uh, bum around Southeast Asia. But uh, so whenever I got shut down, I was not selling the bamboo sunglasses anymore. I was selling what was called a uh, magnetic screen door. Have you ever seen those before? Yeah, I mean, it's a screen door that when it shuts, it's got a little magnet that holds it shut, right? Yeah, so it's it's a, a screen that you would kind of strap up to your uh, your doorway that would maybe lead out to your patio in your house. Okay. And it has these little magnetic strips that go down the middle through a, an opening. And so you can open it up, and they'll close on themselves, and they'll keep bugs out. And they're great for, like, if you have dogs that go in and out of the house so you don't get bugs in the house. And so it's a, it's a big summertime product. And um, what happened was I had 50 good reviews and I got two bad reviews. And this was right around the time that a lot of the Chinese factories where we were getting our, our inventory from were starting to sell on their own on Amazon. And a lot of the quality issues were starting to come up. And so – what Amazon did was they were they were shutting down a lot of listings just to check and see what was going on and do some due, dil, due, dil, due diligence. Sorry, I can say that. And um, so they they wanted to check in on my stuff for you know three four months. And uh, what they did was they just took their sweet time. And I had how much did I have inventory? God, I feel like I had like like seven hundred units. I think it was oh, no. and. Yeah, 700 units stuck in Amazon. And what they do is if you have units there for longer than half a year or like eight months, I can't remember it's been so long, but they'll start charging you like a, a big fee for holding the inventory there, even if it's because they shut down uh, your listing. And so what happened was we got back and we still you know, didn't know if we are going to be going or not. And so I ended up having to ship like – 12 or 14 of these giant boxes back to my house. And luckily I had a little bit of space in this like storage shed behind our, our house we moved into. So I just had these, it was completely full of all these screen doors. My wife was like, when are you going to get rid of those things? (laughs) How'd you get rid of them? Well, they put my listing back on and what I ended up doing was waiting till the end of spring came and people started buying these things again. And I shipped them back to Amazon and uh, started doing a lot of Amazon PPC to sell them again. But like, unfortunately, what happened was by the time that came around, uh, a lot of other people came into the market and the price had shot down. So that's what one of the bad things about selling on Amazon FBA is you have a lot of competitors that aren't afraid to bring their margins way down. And so by the time that happened, it, was, it didn't even make sense for me to reorder because the margins had gotten so slim. That's so interesting. How did you choose that product to begin with? I know there's a lot of services and, and tools out there that was scrape, you know, like whatever, um, Walmart website, and then they can kind of clue you into what products are going to sell the best for you on Amazon. Yeah. So it was just using those scrapers back in the day and just kind of figuring out what products look like they had low competition, but a lot of search volume and a lot of purchase volume. And one of the main things I was also looking for was a certain price point. Like I could buy those and get them shipped to Amazon for about, I think it was $11 was what I was looking at completely all in. And I was selling them for $25 or $30. And so it was it was a really great margin for a while. And then I could spend some of the other money 
on uh, Amazon pay-per-click to get a lot more traffic to it. Um, and that was working well. But um, so I was looking for something in that price range and also something that was not too large and bulky and heavy to ship because that makes it more expensive to send. And also the bigger your packages, the more Amazon charges you, I believe, to store it. Yeah, especially these days, I'm sure, now that like it's grown so much and they have so many products to sell. Yeah. Well, no, it's cool. It sounds like you swung the bat in a lot of different areas and really found a nice niche for yourself within uh, NimbleFox marketing. That's really cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been fun like working with all these other businesses, like helping them launch things. But like one of the reasons why I started, or started looking into that rock climbing thing was, you know, I, I'm ready to start my own thing again. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where that is because like I've, I've, so I've been so deep into like this marketing stuff over the last few years that uh, I've just focused on helping other people. And uh, I feel like I built up the skill set now that if I am to start my own product, be it e-commerce or you know info products, like I could probably do it really well. But um, I'm just trying to figure out what that thing is right now, and um, still still focusing on you know doing as as much as I can with the agency. Yeah. No, sounds like you position yourself really well for that. Are you focusing with uh, the clients that you do have with people who have more digital products or physical, or does it matter? Dig- digital, digital is uh, what I aim for. I think okay. it's just it's easy to, easy to sell. The margins are great, and um, I think there's a lot of need for good, you know, fitness or sports training programs like yours right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's you know people people are home. Uh, a lot of people actually do have disposable income, even though a lot of people have lost their jobs. It's been really unfortunate. Uh, there are a lot of people that are still at home. They have income that they could, when they have time to learn these things. Um, and so I think it's a great time for digital products like that. I agree. I mean, cause yeah, it's, you can definitely produce them for a lot cheaper than physical products, you know, and test the market a lot easier um, with a few ads. So I agree. I mean, people can yeah. get started with like hundred bucks. Exactly. Go yeah. On. I want to shift gears a little bit and move um, towards this, like your lifestyle and you know, you and your wife reside in Austin. You obviously like to travel. You spent your honeymoon in pie, which is a beautiful place. I lived there for like six months. Um, oh, nice. But like why decide to kind of settle and why not take your show on the road? I mean, was there a reason behind that? You just love Austin. Yeah, we really do love Austin. Uh, we've we've kind of done the same thing a couple times actually in our lives. Um, like I said earlier, uh, my wife is a psychotherapist, so she has a bit. Normally, normally she would be working with people in person. Mm. Uh, during during the quarantine, she's actually begun doing uh, telemedicine, and it's been working really well. And so now now we're starting to think that it might be a possibility to do a bit more travel again. But uh, one of the main reasons kind of we, we did kind of come back to Austin, like she has her license in Texas and just in general, like we really love Austin. We love our network of uh, friends and uh, friends here and we have family close by and it's, it's, it's a really cool town and the entrepreneur scene is really amazing. There's a large portion of the DC actually if you're in Austin which and uh, I guess the founders do right now as well, um, and 
But one other time, what we did was we we moved to we, we wanted to check out a couple of different towns to see if we wanted to live somewhere else because Austin has been growing exponentially. It's a very popular place to live, and it's been getting more expensive. And so we thought that you know maybe we should check out other places. We we're going to look at like Nashville, Tennessee, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and then we actually spent some time outside of Orlando because my mom had been living there and with my stepdad and they were moving back to Dallas, but they had this house in Florida that they still owned while they just moved back to Dallas and they were going to wait for a few months before selling it and do some things to it. And so what we decided to do was we decided to take a road trip packed up everything, put it in storage, and we went and stayed with friends in Nashville, tested that out. We went uh, we went to Florida, a couple of different places, and then we just stayed in uh, the town called Claremont for the summer. And we liked it. We actually really enjoyed uh, being there and being close to Disney and being close to the beaches. I went to Cocoa Beach. And I went surfing you know, once every week or two, which is super fun. And... Uh, and then we went up to Asheville, North Carolina, and found that it was a bit too small for us. Went to New York, stayed with her sister for a little bit. And by that time, we were like, wow, we really miss Austin. You know, Austin's such a great place. And uh, we decided we were going to come back here and just get set up here again. And uh, in general, like, we, we love travel so much. But I think at this point of our lives, we're a bit more homebodies than we used to be. Um, and I kind of prefer the going on like little spurts of travel like that, maybe a couple months a year doing it and then having a home base. Okay. How, how about yourself? How long have you been in Nicaragua? I got there in 05 and then I did a straight run to 2011 and then I kind of did like one year off and then like one year back and then like a half a year off and then two years back. And then I kind of just like accumulated another like few years by doing six months, three months, six months, three months kind of thing. When I started doing the online stuff, I wasn't making much money. So and my, I was really – my focus was detracting from my surf business that was okay, sustaining itself down there. So I wasn't making the kind of money I needed to to sustain myself. So I'd come back every like three to six months to Cali where I could always make, you know, like three to six grand in a month and then shoot back down and, and just keep really grinding and focusing on the online side of things. So for me, outside of America, on the road, not even on the road, like I, I like settling in places and getting a real feel for it before I move on mm -hmm. is kind of where I foresee myself once I get something that's more viable and cash flow positive, you know, within the online space. And where, where are you in, in Nicaragua right now? I'm actually not. I'm in California. I got, Oh, you're in California. Yeah, okay. After Sorry. DCBKK this last uh, year, I came back for the holidays planning to actually be in Trinidad and Tobago right now, but, um, just didn't happen. Got quarantined here. Okay. So, yeah, man. But yeah, I mean, Nicaragua is a place that I for sure kind of like you just described to see myself having a home base. That'll always be my home base. But I just really want to be able to have that location independence, that freedom to post up in Barcelona, Spain or post up in Trinidad and Tobago or, you know, I love Thailand anywhere. I just want to have that freedom to just be able to open my laptop, you know, make either passive income, which has always been my goal. Um, or I'm, I don't have a problem grinding, you know, like that's fine. Yeah. 
Got to grind. Have you ever Have you ever done Bali? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been there like five times. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's weird. I always get the two month visa, and I always leave after a month. It's like, oh, yeah. it's a great, it's probably the best place in the world for waves. The Indonesian island chain is what I'm describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just have never really connected with it that passionately. Like I like Central America um, more, but I mean, I'll always go back. Like the waves in Indo are great. Oh yeah. They're amazing. I, uh, that was where we kind of ended our trip was in, in Bali. We went there for about two weeks and the first day we got there i was in uh a simoniac and i was so stoked to go surfing because i i hadn't really been surfing very much and i i surfed a little bit in vietnam on our trip but uh i was just really excited because i'd always heard how amazing bali waves were and i paddled out and right when i almost got past the breakers um the wave lip came up and bashed my board into my lip and like a cut through my lip and uh, I paddled back, and my wife was like walking, taking a stroll on the beach. And uh, I was just walking up to like the vendors with my surfboard, with my bleeding lip <laughs> bleeding all over the beach. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, are you all right?" And uh, I said, "Yeah, I guess I guess so, but um, I, I guess I probably need to go to the the doctor to see about this." And they're like, "Do you want me to take you there right now?" I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I'll, I'll wait for my wife. And I waited for like 20 minutes, just sitting there kind of like putting water on Everywhere. it, bleeding. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't turning back up because she thought I was going to be surfing for a couple hours, you know. And uh, I didn't have anything on me. I had like a T-shirt and some flip-flops and like she had all my stuff. And they're like, you really need to go to the, the hospital right now. And I'm like, well, I don't. Um, I don't have anything to, to pay for right now. Um, if you take me to my hotel, I can go grab something. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. And you can pay me back. Like, this is a guy that like just rented a surfboard to me. And like, I never met him in my life. And he was going to pay for me to get my lip stitched up. It was like amazing. Like he was such a, a kind person, you know? And so I said, well, all right. Yeah. Take me over there. And so it took me on the back of his, uh, motorbike to this little uh, Balinese hospital and I was getting my lips stitched and my wife came back and and didn't see me out there and, and she asked him she was like um where's my husband he was surfing and he's like oh, oh he's not surfing anymore <laughs> and then oh oh well, where is he oh he's in the hospital he's, he's getting his lips stitched <laughs> he's like oh my god and so she he took her over there and I got my lips stitched and we went to uh Ubud for a week so I could heal myself up and then by the end of that week I was healed and I could go surfing again and I got to go surfing and uh, I just really like Bali and uh, I thought the the surf was fantastic so I was just wondering if you'd been there and uh, yeah it's magical I mean don't get me wrong I love it it's a beautiful place Um, the people are just so kind so cool like you described Um, I don't know if it's the island it's you know what it is for me and actually I do know what it is for me the waves and the variety of waves are not as conveniently accessible as I'd like them mm-hmm. to be. So it's like, I mean, once you learn it, if I spend enough time, I'd know exactly where to go on the scooter to get the best waves. But like, say if you're on the, uh, what do you call it? The bouquet, like, and you got to go, got to go check Ulu's and you got to go check uh bing in. And then you got to go check, you know, it's just like, you're yeah. checking all these spots and like, it's super crowded also. So 
that's also a turnoff and it's like it's a lot of effort you know <laughs> i'm a little lazy <laughs> like i i jammed out to uh sumbawa with my girlfriend once on the back of a scooter and uh, we we surfed yo-yos for like three weeks which was great like it was kind of off season and like it was still pumping but it was like four of us every day and like no this is my that's stuff. awesome you know like yeah. i'd rather just do this than uh compete on bali and the, but the thing is it's like and that's kind of what is always i'm torn with indonesia is like culturally bali is different from the rest of the islands all the other islands are muslim muslims are some of the nicest people they're equally as kind and generous but culturally for a western woman to you know sunbathe in her bathing suit on the beach is more frowned upon and that uh, makes it yeah. difficult if you're traveling with your girlfriend or wife for example for her to enjoy herself in the way that she would like to so it just there's always it seems to be this one thing that's like making it more difficult for me to really just kind of relax and enjoy myself fully but i think that's more my problem than theirs obviously you know? <laughs> um well yeah this is cool man i mean do you see any like new businesses on the horizon you know with your skills obviously you could do a lot more or different things do you have any ventures that you're thinking about creating in the near future you know um i am really going to be focused on you know building out my email list right now i think the email marketing is kind of the best bang for buck for for anyone anyone's business mm -hmm. and uh right now i just want to get back to providing as much content as i can right now helpful content because i think that there's so many people that are going online right now with their businesses that never were before. Uh, there's people that uh, are about to experience exponential growth in their businesses, and I just want to help with that right now. So I think I'm probably going to continue uh, doing coaching and teaching. I do that as well. I, I teach people how to do all this marketing stuff as well in my, my Facebook group, and um, that's kind of what I'm going to focus on for – the foreseeable future right now. Nice dude. I love it. I think that's a great plan. Um, you know, with email lists and everyone talks about email lists and how powerful they are. And for me, it was a little bit frustrating to be honest, cause I had what I thought was a strong email list. I had like, you know, at one point like 10,000 emails and I just was never able to crack the code. And I mean, I think when I peel back the layers is probably, I was trying to apply a new concept to my email list of like online surf instruction. Like everyone's like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to learn how to surf online? You know? And then two, like it's a pretty small market and I have a, a limited amount of servers. I can put my offer in front of within just a surfer world. So I think those were two huge things holding me back, but I also feel like I just didn't do it right. You know, like there's something I was not really grasping when it came to my email marketing campaigns, my funnels, my price points of things like this last trip to uh, Thailand, you know, I kind of got in line with the idea of having a few trip wires within my funnel, which are, you know, as for the audience who don't know, it's like a lower priced item that the person you're emailing becomes comfortable buying from you, which then enables them to be more comfortable buying the higher ticket item. Is that how you would describe it? Exactly. And yeah. um, tried a few of those. And I thought for sure that was going to be a game winner. And I, I priced it at like the higher end of a tripwire, which I'm under the impression it's like you want it to be like between the price, a point of like $7 and $27. So mm -hmm. I pegged mine at 27 and just still like crickets, dude, nothing. What was the tripwire offer? 
it was um, a lot of my clients are interested in uh, surf fitness and trying to understand like what they could be doing. They don't necessarily want to go to the gym or be jogging or swimming. They want to do something that's going to give them the most bang for their buck. So I came up with this little like pop-up program, if you will, like to really strengthen the speed and control of their pop-up and, uh, and gave a lot more details into like how it's going to help and other things you can add to just your, what I was calling was a 30 day pop-up challenge, 30 pop-ups a day for 30 days. And, uh, Price it at 27 bucks. I filmed it all in Chiang Mai in that little, like, in the old city. They have that little lake with green area that all the, like, hippies go to and do yoga every morning. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just didn't work, dude. So You were you were in, in the water in Chiang Mai? No, sorry. This is just land pop-ups. Like, I really oh, – land pop-ups. Okay. A lot of my clients to, even if they're surfing a bunch, like, still be working on land pop-ups just to build that strength, speed, and control. Um and gives you that, you know, muscle memory and then the repetition and, and visually being able to see where your feet are naturally landing on kind of like a, a drawn out surfboard on the ground mm-hmm. is easily translatable out in the water where you can then have that muscle memory and speed, strength and control to kind of remedy the things that you're struggling with. Oh, man. Yeah, that's something I need to practice. I I have been landlocked for too long. I, I don't even remember the last time I surfed. I think it's been. Oh, God. Been years, probably a year or two, maybe. Really, you have a wave in Austin, bro. Just like go get it. Oh yeah, well not now. They, they closed it down. Oh no way. Yeah, that that was the last time I went surfing. And that was about yeah a year ago, probably maybe longer. But yeah, it was. It's a great fun little wave. Yeah, it's funny because Austin and Waco are now like surf destinations. <laughs> yeah, the one in Waco is phenomenal, apparently. So that's yeah. on my way to Dallas. So maybe we'll stop there one of these days. Nice, dude. Yeah, we got to get you down in Nicaragua when I get back there for a surf trip. Oh, man, I would love that. I've been down there to uh, – I, I was looking it up the other day trying to figure out what the name of this town was, but it's somewhere north of uh, – is it called San Juan del Sur? Or yeah, so you're either in Popoyo or Gigante. I think it was or Popoyo. No, maybe Madeiras. Like It was like way off the beaten path. Like It was like um, – I think we came from – it might have come from Liberia. I'm not sure, but it was about a two-hour drive, two and a half hour drive, just dirt roads mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. But it was it was amazing out there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's such a fun place, such a nice culture, great waves. I mean, such a special, unique place in the world that I can't wait to get back to. Yeah, um, well, listen, John. If you could speak to one audience member who's listening right now who wants to start their first online venture, become location independent digital nomad, maybe even take that first trip. Is there anything you could say to help inspire them to to make that first step? Yeah, just get started. Try not to get stuck in the learning phase for too long. Like if you're just getting started, it's it's great to kind of do kind of what I was talking about earlier and listen to a bunch of podcasts and uh, you know join a bunch of groups and kind of see what other people are doing. But uh, I think what I would suggest is find one thing that you're interested in, like we we're talking about earlier, and just even if you're not going to make that much money from it, start blogging about it. Start recording content for it. Uh, maybe if you if you like to, you know, surf like Chapin, maybe you start some sort of a a side business where you teach people take someone out surfing. You know, just start something like not. Don't even worry about scaling it. Just get started and make a little bit of money. And once you get that first little bit of money, it's going to be 
addicting and uh, you're going to figure out that you can make a life out of this stuff and you just have to help enough people uh, do what they want to do. Amen, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Javen. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And again, such an inspiration. I just love hearing these stories of people who take responsibility for their life situation, decide to make that change and doing the thing that they want to do, just like you did. I love that you have other passions, other hobbies that you really like to pursue, but also know that sometimes it's best to just keep those passions and hobbies as such things so you can continuously enjoy them throughout the rest of your life and then focus your attention on maybe that that second tier of thing that you kind of like to do whether it's entrepreneurship, online marketing, whatever it may be, and then you can develop a business out of that. So thank you again so much for sharing your story. I appreciate you. Again, if you're a first-time listener, please hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on. If you like this episode, John and I sure would appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. If you felt like rating it five stars or commenting on it, we would appreciate that as well. And if you want to get a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, please head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick one up. And thank you again for listening. I do appreciate you. I think you all are so very beautiful. And I'll see you in next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. Take care. See you next week. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.